Welcome to the podcast of Corey Turner Ministries. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Turner. For more information, please connect to his website, CoreyTurnerMinistries.com. It's so good to see you here. Why don't you stay standing? We're going to pray, get into it. Hey, how good was the baptisms this morning? Can we just put our hands together and just honour all those people who got baptised? Absolutely fantastic. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And God, I thank you today that you're going to speak to us. You're going to speak to our hearts. You're going to speak to our minds. Lord, you're going to transform people's lives today. Lord, we've already seen the testimonies and seen the evidence of your work, your power, your grace, and your love in the lives of those who got baptized today. Father, do it again in this service. Do it again in this message, oh God. May this be a word in season, not only for this church and for our hearts, but may it be a word for our nation and our city, Lord, that is desperately hurting, that is broken and needs an encounter with your love. I pray for every new person today, every guest and visitor. God, they are not here by accident, but you brought them here to speak into their lives, to love on them and to enable them to hear your voice clearly. Father, I pray, let this day be a day that marks our memories, marks our hearts, marks our entire lives. We honour you we commit this to you. And if you believe it, why don't you say amen in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read from verse 14 to 19 and uh, share this uh, message in the first service. Um, tonight I'm going to be sharing something different at the 5 o'clock service, but uh, I'm passionate about this particular passage, what it speaks to. Uh, it, I think it's important that we ponder the writings of Paul in the book of Ephesians and consider what it is that he's trying to communicate to us at a time in our world and in our nation where we desperately need to hear these words again. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to speak to you today on the subject and the question, did you learn to love well? Did you learn to love well? The late Bob Jones was a uh, man of God, and uh, he had a powerful ministry that touched all four corners of the globe, and in recent years he passed away. But back in 1975, he was in hospital, very sick, and in fact was diagnosed clinically dead and, uh, or declared clinically dead through an incident in his life. And um, he had an encounter with heaven. And in this encounter, he recalls lining up with thousands of people in this line waiting to enter the gates of heaven. And as he's getting closer to the gate of heaven, he recognizes that Jesus is standing there welcoming people, but asking them one question. And the question that Jesus was asking people was, did you learn to love well? 
It was the only question he was asking, and he asked it of every single person. It got to him, and, he was, and Jesus asked him that question, did you learn to love well? He didn't answer it. He didn't know how to answer it because he didn't think that he had learned to love well. And with that, he, uh, his heartbeat returned, and he awoke to his natural environment in that hospital uh, room, in that emergency room, and he proceeded to live his life in order to answer that question and better grow an understanding of what it means to truly love well. Now, I think the greatest tragedy in life would be to stand at the gates of eternity and realize you're aiming at the wrong goalposts. And unfortunately, I think many of us are so preoccupied with our careers, our money, and with social media that we're in danger of missing the point of what life is really all about. Our culture highlights the cry of the human heart for love. Every single person in this room wants to love and wants to be loved. But unfortunately, I think our culture gives us a distorted view of what love really is. One of the Greek words for love is the word eros, and it describes the romantic and sensual notions of love. And we often hear in the music that we see and, and listen to on something like iTunes. If you looked at the top 100 iTunes songs, over 90% of them would speak to this idea of eros love, the romantic, sensual notions of love. And so if you were an extraterrestrial life form and you were visiting planet Earth and seeking to understand the meaning of life according to humanity and planet Earth by listening to iTunes and looking at uh, popular media, media, you would come to the conclusion that the meaning of life for humanity is sexuality and the glorification of self. Because if you only feed on that diet, that's the message you get. That's, the, that's what's communicated to us all the time. And it gives us a distorted view of what love actually really is. Liberal ideology tells us that love is the blind acceptance of all lifestyle preferences. And that because of this idea that love is love, that, that love is supposed to just accept everything that we see in the world, and yet we find ourselves bumping into the, the truth of the Bible. And the truth of the Bible teaches us a very different concept. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love, not that love is love, but that God is love. And if God is the source of love, then God defines what love is, how that love is to be expressed, how that love is to be experienced, not the culture. And I'm concerned that for many followers or believers in Christ is that we have started to take our definitions of key concepts, theology, doctrines and terms from the culture rather than from the Word of God. And rather than coming back to the truth, the plumb line of truth in the Word of God, about what does God say about the issue of finance? What does God say about the issue of sexuality? What does God say about the issue of, in this case and context, love? We often take our viewpoints and perspectives from the majority of the diet that we feed upon during the week. If you are a follower of Jesus in this room today, I, I want to call you to come and stand upon the truth of the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, the natural, that which is in the natural, that which we feed upon in the world around us will not sustain us and feed our spirits. We need to be fed with the truth of the Word of God and get God's perspective on matters that pertain to life and purpose and godliness. We're not autonomous moral agents dictating our own destinies. We are totally dependent upon the creator of heaven and earth and of all humanity, not only for our very next breath, but for our understanding of what the purpose of life is. So if God is the source of life and God is the source of love, then what purpose has life? What is the ultimate goal in life and what's the connection between life and love? Well, in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked a question, which is the great commandment. In other words, what's the big goal of life? What's the purpose of life? What's the reason for life? That's in essence what this Pharisee was asking Jesus 2,000 years ago. And Jesus responds, the, the great commandment is fulfilled in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, the goal of life is to love God and to love people really well. That's the ultimate purpose of life. If you've made life about something else today, then I want to invite you to consider God's goal for your life and that when God's goal becomes the foundational priority of your life, everything else gets into right priority and order according to that goal of loving God and loving people well. Paul affirms this and confirms this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, when he says, we are to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, that Greek word for love is the word agape. It means God's selfless and ultimate self-sacrificing love. And so when Paul is saying that we're to be grounded and rooted in agape love, he says we too are to come into an understanding of not just an experience of God's love, but an application of a self-sacrificing love. Sadly, I think that some of us believe that love is a lightweight doctrine in the Bible and in the church. And so we say, you know what, well, I've uh, read some memory verses. I've got some memory verses on love and, and I've heard some people talk about love. I understand what love is, but let's get on to the deeper things of God. Let's get on to signs and wonders because if we can just get some miracles happening and we can heal the sick and raise the dead and set people free from demonic oppression and, and we can uh, reveal the secrets of people's hearts, I mean, that's the stuff of the kingdom. We're really gonna be starting to touch the deeper things of God or well, some of us say, well, I've heard some sermons on love. I sort of understand it to a point, but let's just witness to the lost. Let's just evangelize. Let's convert others to the Christian faith. That's what it's really about. Yes, love, but it's really about evangelism. Still others would say, well, it's really about being successful in life, being fruitful in life, and, and, and so fulfilling your destiny and, and walking in your calling and your purpose, using your gifts and being successful in that. Yeah, love, but these other things are more uh, of a priority priority and, and are more of a focus uh, in our lives. And yet the, the Apostle Paul draws us and our attention back to what it's all about. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, he doesn't say pursue miracles or pursue power or even pursue evangelism. evangelism. He says pursue love. And secondly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, 
especially that you may prophesy. He prioritizes love as the pursuit of our lives, of our purpose. And if 1 John 4 8 is true that God is love, then in essence, Paul is saying to pursue God. And if you pursue God, all these other things come along with it. Many of us are chasing all these other things and not necessarily God and this purpose of life of love. And we're failing to actually walk in the fullness of the purpose that God actually has for us. Of all the miracles, love is the original miracle. Every miracle in the Bible and on planet earth finds its source in love. There was a healing evangelist by the name of Oral Roberts and he uh, passed away recently and he had great impact upon planet earth back in the 1950s. Many people uh, got saved and healed and transformed by his ministry, the power of the spirit in his life. And before he passed away, he invited all of these leaders from around the world to come to his house and he was to give them a final sort of word of encouragement to pray for them. And there was one young man particularly there who came with his father to see the great Oral Roberts. And he was asking uh, Oral Roberts to lay hands upon this young man's head and to impart and anoint this gift of healing. When finally Oral Roberts looked at him and said, son, fall more in love with people and your healing ministry will take care of itself. You see, we don't realize the power, we underestimate the power of love to actually release and bring transformation into people's lives through this incredible gift, through this incredible thing that God has given to us, this ultimate purpose of loving God and people well. 1 Corinthians 13 tells me that I can have faith to move mountains. And if I had faith to move mountains, I'd say, well, you're, you're something, I'm something. You, you know, you could even start maybe your own clothing label, mountain moving, you know, uh, and, and, and you could have your own Instagram account and, and, and I'm the mountain mover and you could have a business, mountain moving business and you could have all these things and you label it, you're the mountain mover and everyone wanna see, man, you move mountains, you're amazing, you're something. But Paul said that you can have faith to move mountains, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. Not only that, but you can have prophetic powers. You can understand all mysteries. And if you could, you would think you were something. But Paul says, if you don't have love, you're nothing. And you could give away all that you have and even present your body to be burned as a martyr and be seen to be a saint and, and, and martyr your life for the Christian faith. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. This tells me that I can sacrifice under the banner of spirituality, but in fact not actually love and therefore deceive myself. Several years ago, I was, along with my wife, we were pastoring a church and it was in the week of our Christmas carols services. And anyone who's been on staff in church life understands that when it comes to the week of Christmas spectacular or Christmas events, it's uh, all hands on deck, it's a busy time and and uh, we were making final preparations and I was getting my message together to tell all the people that would come, we would have record crowds, all the people that would come to the services at Christmas that Jesus loves them and God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And, and so I'm, I'm focused and I'm busy and I'm walking through the shopping mall on this particular day and I walk past a man lying down on a bench. 
He didn't look too healthy, he didn't look too good and, and there was a bit of an aroma about him and, and he looked like maybe, uh, I wasn't judging, but it looked like that he may have not eaten for a few days and, and may not have had a place to, to stay and live and he's literally just lying down in the middle of the shopping mall on a bench. And as I walk past him, I'm thinking to myself, I've got a meeting to go to. The team is waiting for me because I'm going to tell people about how much God loves them. When this thought in my head went off, go and get him some water. And this thought began to persist. And I recognized it was God speaking to me. And I said, but Jesus, I'm busy. I've got like a meeting to go to and there's a team of people waiting for me and I'm going to prepare this message to tell the world about how much you love them. And the Holy Spirit said to me, son, I want you to go up to the fridge in your office, empty that fridge of all the bottles of water and I want you to go and give that man water. And so I went up to my office and I picked up some bags and I, uh, 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 and I put the bottles of water in these bags and I sort of, you know, grudgingly walked back out to the shopping mall because our office was close by and, and I sort of woke the man up and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, this may seem random. Um, are you dehydrated? No, I didn't say that. I said... Um, would you be interested in, in some bottles of water? I've got these fresh bottles of water here. Would you be interested? He, he, he looked at me sort of weird and he's like, yeah, I would actually. And so I said, well, here you go, sir. So I gave him these bottles of water and I said, have a great day. Have a wonderful Christmas. And I walked off. As I'm walking away, the Holy Spirit speaks to me again and says, now go get him some food. I said, but Jesus, I said, I'm busy. I've got a meeting to go to. I've got to prepare a sermon to tell the world about how much you love them and that you came at Christmas time to tell the world that I've got, a, I've got stuff to do. And the Holy Spirit's like, go and get him some food. And so I go to the supermarket and I pick up some groceries and I go and bring two bags of groceries uh, back to this guy. And I say, excuse me, sir, it's me again. Uh, uh, um, just, just wondering, would you be interested in some food? I just went to the supermarket, got you some food, um, not judging you or presupposing anything, but would you like some food? And he goes, actually, I haven't eaten for a few days. I, I'd love some food. And so I said, well, here you go. Have a great day. Have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you. I added that in at the end. <laughs> and I'm on my way. I'm heading to my meeting because I'm going to tell the world this weekend how much God loves them and that Jesus came and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And, and I've got a meeting to go. And now the team's calling me on the phone like, where are you, Pastor? I'm like, you don't want to know. And, 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 and I've got a meeting to go to when the Holy Spirit says to me, now go get him some new clothes. I said, but Jesus, I don't know what his size is. He says, well, go and take him with you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I, I come over and I say to him, hey, hey it's me again. Um, excuse me, so this is random, but would you be interested in getting some new clothes? I'd like to get you some new clothes if you'd like that. He goes, well, actually, I've been living in these clothes for a few weeks. This is exactly what he said. 
He goes, yeah, I would. So we, I said, well, come with me. So we go and we go to the shop and it was a rather awkward shopping experience. And I didn't know this was now part of my job description. And, and so then we picked up some clothes and uh, they were in different bags to this, by the way. And, and, and we picked up some clothes and, uh, and we bought him, what did we get? We got him some pants, we got him some shoes and, and, and a shirt and a jacket. And, and now we bring all these things over and now he's got, uh, he's got bottles of water water, he's got food, and he's got clothes in bags, and the Holy Spirit says to me, now how is he going to get home? I said, that's for you to figure out. And he said, I want you to take him home. I said, well, I don't know if he's got a home. I said, sir, do you have somewhere to live? He said, actually, I do. I said, how are you going to get home with all this stuff? He goes, I was going to walk. He said, how far is your home? He said, a few kilometers. I said, come with me, jump in my newly washed, interior detailed, smelling the aroma of heaven car, which changed aroma when he stepped in. And, and, and let's put the bags in the back. And, and so I'm driving him back to his house. We're having a conversation. He's telling me his story. He used to have a business, went bankrupt, been on and off the streets for several years and just recently got a, a, a flat, a government housing support and, and all this sort of thing. And we get to his house and I'm getting out of the car. And as I'm getting out of the car, I look down at my middle console and there's about $40 to $50 of gold coins in my middle console that are there for all the car parking and how expensive it is in Melbourne. And, and so it's, it's all there. And I'm looking at the gold coins and the Holy Spirit says, you know what to do thanks for the tip I appreciate that and and so I get all these gold coins out and we're out of the car and I'm stuffing them in his pockets and so he's got gold coins overflowing it's like Santa Claus really has come to town and and he's got bottles of water and he's got food and he's got clothes we get to his front door and I look at him and I realize I'm about to head off to my meeting now to tell the world about how much Jesus loves them and I say hey Hey, mate, do, do you know why I'm doing this for you today? And he says, because you're a top bloke. And uh, I'm like, I'm getting taken for a ride here. And uh, I said, well, maybe not as top as what I wish I was, but I said, I'm doing this today to show you that God loves you and cares for you this Christmas time. And I said, it would it be okay if we prayed? And so we prayed together. He goes into his house. I go to my car, I shut the door, and I start sobbing like a baby. Because I realize that here I am, busy and preoccupied with telling a whole lot of people that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son when the very person that God wanted me to love well was lying down on a park bench in, an, in a uh, hardly anyone in this shopping mall and I'm walking past him ignoring uh, another creation of God before me, the very person God wanted me to show the love of God to. And in that moment of clarity, as I'm there pondering my own sort of uh, sinfulness and, and distraction with, with humanity that's all around me. The Holy Spirit says to me, son, you'll never learn how to love people well until you learn to love someone when it's an inconvenience to your life. You see, unfortunately, I think most of us are in love with the concept of love than we are with the action of love. Love is easier in our dreams than in practice. We love to dream about it. We love to imagine it. And we think that we're really loving people. 
Meanwhile, we wander around and there are people all around us, broken and hurting and wounded, waiting to be loved. And if love does not become the primary driver, the foundational priority of our life, we're missing out on what the goal of life is, on what the primary purpose of life is. You see, where love is an optional extra versus the priority of life, there will be sickness somewhere in our souls. And all of life's dysfunctions find their root in a lack of experience in God's love. When you truly encounter God's love, when you experience God's love, all of the dysfunctions and brokenness of our lives starts to get transformed. In fact, I read one writer who said, I'm convinced that the root cause of all demonic activity is the absence of God's love. 1 John uh, 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Another way of saying that verse is perfect love casts out all dysfunction. So if the brokenness of our humanity, the woundedness of our humanity is going to be transformed, God's love must be experienced and not simply understood. Many of us think that if we understand something, then we've experienced it. But Paul said in this passage, we are to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Now, can we just, you know, hit the pause button and just have a conversation about what Paul just said? How do you know something when it surpasses knowledge? Do you ever read the Bible and just get curious and go, how does that work? How do we know the love that surpasses all knowledge? How does that work? Well, I consulted the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, in the book of Proverbs. And he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on what? your own understanding. So according to God and one of his servants who were inspired to write that those words, not only is it possible, but it is absolutely necessary to not just experience God with your head, but to and know him with your head, but to experience him in your heart. We've got to come into a revelation of who God is in the experience of our hearts and not simply our heads. Now, we totally struggle with this exhortation as a culture because we've bought into two lies of Western culture. The first lie of Western culture we're bought into is that if we can explain it, we can understand it. So if we can articulate it, then it means we can comprehend it, which there is a measure of truth to that. But the second lie that we've often bought into is we can only experience what we understand. So if we can articulate it, then we can understand it. And if we understand it, well, we conclude as a Western culture, then we must have experienced it. But this is why Western rationalism struggles with the mystery of faith in God. Well, I I can't explain it. If I can't articulate and explain faith in God, then I don't understand it. And if I don't understand it, then I can't experience it. And therefore God doesn't exist. And yet it is the height of arrogance to assume that you have to, that you have to understand something before you experience it. You see, if you have to understand love before you experience it, you're removing one of the greatest joys in life. When was the last time you experienced love in a way that you couldn't explain? 
you couldn't articulate. I remember my first date with my amazing wife, Simone, back in 1994. We cleared up the year in the first service. That was helpful. And uh, I remember we went on this date and we had dinner at a restaurant and then we went for a walk and we're walking through the gardens of Melbourne and we're holding hands and I, my heart rate is racing and, and words are failing me and that's a miracle for a preacher. And, and, and so, you know, we're just talking dribble and nonsense and, and you don't care why because you're just enamoured with being in each other's presence or maybe that was just me. And, 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 and you, you're there enjoying that moment. You're caught up in the moment. I remember getting home after the date and my mum says to me, you're in love. I said, mum, it's the first date. She said, I know love when I see it. And years later we married and, you know, when... When you're, no one ever fell in love by reading a dictionary definition of love. If some of you have researched a dictionary definition of love before you fell in love, we'll come down, we'll pray for you, cast that demon out of you at the end of this service. No one ever fell in love by reading a dictionary definition. You've got to experience it. You can't say that you experience love because you can quote a few Bible verses about love. Or that you heard someone preach on love. Knowledge without an experience is an inferior reality. And many of us have settled in the Christian life, let alone for our lives, for a knowledge in our head, a cerebral awareness and understanding of something, but we've never experienced it to the depth of our core, to the depth of our being, to the degree that God loves works in you will be the degree that God loves works through you. You have to come into a place of not just acknowledging it with your head, but experiencing it with your heart. See, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. Jesus says, love your neighbour as being the operative word, as you love yourself. The word as means equally like in the same way. In other words, many of us are okay with God working through us, but not so okay with the power of God's love working in us. And there will be dysfunction in our relationships in our lives, if we first don't allow the power of God's love to work in us, to be experienced in our hearts. Unfortunately, some of us have a PhD in self-hatred and we wonder why we struggle in relationships. Because unless the power of God's love is working in you and you're experiencing it for yourself, how can you ever learn how to love anybody else well and answer Jesus' eternal question, did you learn to love well? I remember one time God showed me a vision of my life and it was a horse and a carriage and I'm sitting on the carriage and I'm driving the horse in front of me and I've got a whip in my hand and I'm whipping the horse furiously and then God brings the picture around and shows me the face of the horse that I'm whipping and it's my face. I'm like, this is alarming. (laughs) 
But God was trying to get a message through to me and I believe He's trying to get a message through to us. Many of us are horse whipping ourselves to the point of exhaustion because we haven't allowed God's love to go to the depths of our beings and our souls and bring us to a place of wholeness and transformation. You see, when our experience of love is filtered through a performance orientation, when you're performing well and you're up, then you feel God's love. But when you're not performing well and you're down, you don't feel God's love. But you've got to know today, whoever you are, God loves you beyond your performance. God loves you beyond your ability to even do good. God loves you beyond whatever mistakes or issues of your past or you're the successes of your past, God just flat out loves you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners and could not perform in our own strength and energy, Christ died for us. I love what Augustine said. He said, God loves me as if I was the only one to love. And you know, as we looked at these people getting baptised today, It was so awesome to see every single one of them with a sense of expectancy and joy at being baptized today. Do you see uh, that one amazing lady who when she was baptized, she threw her hands up in the air. That's someone who started to experience the love of God. And if all the love of God is, is head knowledge and you've never experienced in your heart, you won't know the joy of throwing your arms in the air and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. It's only when you come into that encounter and that experience can you learn, even reluctantly sometimes, how to love someone well. You see, to the degree that God's love works in you and through you will be the degree to which you'll be able to answer that question. Did you learn to love well? I want to encourage you today to not spend your life aiming at the wrong goalposts to spend your life prioritizing all the things that our culture says are so important to add to your significance and to your sense of value and well-being and importance, but to refocus your heart and your eyes and your life upon the one thing that matters to God above everything else, and that is loving God well and loving people well. I want to invite you to stand on your feet with me today. I want to invite you to uh, just close your eyes for a moment. I believe that God is speaking to people today. And He's saying to us that I want you to get the the focus back where it needs to be. For some of us who've been on this journey for a while of faith and walking with God, we need to be reminded of this continually. For others of us, we've walked in here today with broken hearts. There's woundedness in our spirits because of various things. Some of those things are because of environments we've been raised in and maybe we haven't been modelled to us what love truly is. Maybe we've gone through some heartbreaking relationships. Maybe we've 
driven ourselves and exhausted ourselves like I was talking about with that vision where we're sort of whipping ourselves to exhaustion because we've never really experienced the love of God. You can attend church your whole life or you can be at church for your very first time and not really understand the love of God. Today, I wonder if you would ask Jesus to come and make the reality of His love so real to your heart, not just your head, not just an understanding of it in your head, but an experience of it in your heart. And if you're here today, say, God, I want this idea to move from my head to an experience, to a reality in my heart. I just want you to raise your hand all over this room right now. If you say, today, I need to experience the love of God. I need the healing power of God's love in my heart and in my life. I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are. Because I believe as you acknowledge that and as we pray together that the Spirit of God is going to come right now as we worship together and as we pray together, He's going to pour His love into your life. Father, I pray for every hand raised and everyone who wanted to raise their hand. That Lord, today where the love of God has simply become a head knowledge rather than a heart experience. I pray today, God, would you move through our hearts? Would you move through this place? And may a wave of your love and a wave of your peace and a wave of your presence wash over us today. Restore us and transform us and heal us, Father. That, Lord, we may be able to stand before You on that day with no one else around us and be able to answer that question, did you learn to love well? And we would say, yes. I didn't do it as good as I wanted to do it, but I, I learned what it means to love well. Father, I pray today in a culture, in a city, in a nation right now where people are taking sides, where people are, fighting each other with ideologies and words and there's so much hatred in the world. Father, I just pray right now, may the love of Jesus, the power of God's love, Lord, come and heal our nation at this time. Come and restore the broken heart. Lord, part of your job description is to heal the brokenhearted. Restore sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are captive. Father, would You come and do that by Your Spirit today in this place? Would You come and move in this place and in our hearts? In Jesus' Name. I just want to invite you to lower your hands and just keep your eyes closed for one minute because I'm aware that there may be some people here today that have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. You've never given your heart to God. Others of you may have had have done that in the past, but you're walking far away from Jesus. You're living life on your terms. Well, today, the Holy Spirit, the power of God's love is calling you to Himself. The Bible says that greater love has no one than this, that He lays down His life for His friends. There is no greater demonstration of God's love in, as it is in the person of Jesus when He laid down His life for us. And here in this room today, I want to invite anyone who's never asked Jesus Christ into their heart, anyone who maybe once did but wants to rededicate their life back to Jesus, I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come and save you 
from your sin to come and live in your heart for you to begin a relationship with Him today. And if that's you today and you want to make that decision, I just want you to raise your hand in this room, all across this room, and we are going to join with you in prayer right now. Thank you, Lord. Is anyone else today say, yep, I want to make that decision. Thank you over here. Anyone else up in the back section say, yep, I want to make that decision today. Maybe you came in for the first time today. And this is a new experience for you. Please don't don't walk out and leave this place without first making a decision to follow Jesus. He loves you. He's called you. He wants you to get connected to this purpose of life called loving God and loving people well. Is anyone else today say, yep, I want to be included in that prayer. Just raise your hand. We're going to pray together all over this room. I want us to pray together, particularly join those few people who have raised their hands. We're going to repeat this prayer out loud, and I'm going to ask you to mean this from your heart. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, say it again. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace, and thank you for your love. I believe you are the Son of God. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I receive by faith the gift of eternal life. I decide to follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Give me strength. Give me the power that I need. And let me live from your love the life you've called me to live. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we just put our hands together and just honour those people today? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Pastor Corey's books and speaking itinerary, please connect to his ministry website on coreyturnerministries.com.